1, 1 Peter 4, reading from verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we look into your word, as we read the scriptures, as we allow them to speak into our hearts and minds, that they might do that work within us of making us more like your son, Jesus Christ. May we look to Jesus as our example and so that we can do the things that Jesus did. Help us to be like Jesus and help us this morning to serve like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we uh, continue in our uh, 40 days of purpose, and uh, we uh, discovered that our first purpose in life, that uh, we were created uh, for God's pleasure, and uh, we call that worship. Our second purpose in life, we were uh, created to be part of God's family, and uh, we call that fellowship. And then uh, last week... We discovered our third purpose in life is that we were created to be made in the image of God and God's Son and to become like Christ. And that's what we were calling discipleship. And uh, today it's week five, uh, day 29 of the 40 days, in case case you're not up to date with the the readings, uh, day 29 of uh, 40 days of purpose and uh, we continue the journey 
And I encourage you to continue in the readings, to attend the small groups. And uh, today, as you can see uh, around you and in the lecture room, we've got a ministry fair uh, afterwards, which we would encourage you to to look at, and I'll say a little bit about that uh, later on. And so, let's uh, let's dive into uh, this fourth uh, purpose. The Bible says this, and you'll recognise this verse, because uh, it was the first memory verse. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Notice that word, workmanship. You were made to make a contribution. We live in a consumer society where we just consume things. And one of the dangers is that we bring that consumer society into the church. And we think that when we come to church, we are just to consume. Wrong. We come to church to make a contribution. The Bible says that we were created to serve. We were shaped to serve. We are commanded to serve. Now the great news is that whenever God gives us an assignment, gives us something to do, he never does it without equipping us first. And uh, this is what Job says, your hands shaped me and made me. And God gives things to shape us. He uses uh, who we are and uh, and what we are. Our um, spiritual gifts. Our heart, our abilities, our personalities, and our experiences. And all these things shape us. This is what makes our shape. And these five five things, God has uniquely shaped you. You're different from anybody else. And he shaped you for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve him. I'm not going to go into these uh, five things in great detail because this week you're going to be reading about these, uh, these five uh, different things that shape you in the 40 days of purpose readings and in the small groups you're going to be thinking about those. But what I do want you to notice is that God made you unique and that God wants to use your uniqueness because each one of us has gifts and uh, heart for things and abilities and personalities and experience that God wants to use. Our memory verse for this week. Let's say it together. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others. That's what we were created for. So you might want to, to jot this down. My fourth purpose is to serve God by serving others. My fourth purpose is to serve God by serving others. Now some people might want to serve God, but they don't like the idea of serving other people. But you know, we cannot serve God without serving other people. And the Bible has a word for this, and it's called ministry. And again, like Worship and uh, fellowship and discipleship, the other words that we've looked at, these words can be misunderstood. When we we hear the word minister, we perhaps think of somebody like me, or a priest, or a pastor, or somebody wears one of those uh, funny collars around their necks. Uh, But the Bible says that every believer is a minister. Ministry simply means using my shape to help somebody else in the name of God. Anytime you use your talents, 
your abilities, your background, your experiences, to help somebody else. Do you know what that's called? Ministry. You're ministering to somebody else whenever you use those gifts. In the Bible, the words service and ministry are the same word. And in the Bible, servant and minister are also the same word. So you are called to ministry. And today, that's what we're going to be thinking about, that each one of us is a minister. Before we do that, I want you to turn to the next person next to you. And I want you to say to them, you are a minister. Just do that, would you? And if you see the treasurer after the service, he'll, uh, you know, uh, reimburse you for your ministry. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Each one of us is called to minister. In the Bible, uh, that's what it says. Service, ministry, servants, it's the same word. And the good news is, is that God not only created you for service, he gave you a model, an example of somebody who showed us what it means to serve. And of course that model, that uh, model of service is Jesus. This is what Jesus says. He says, your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. I did not come to be served, but to serve. If you don't hear anything else, hear that this morning, that this is what Jesus came for. didn't come to be served. But he came to serve. And your shape, spiritual gifts, hearts, ability, personal experiences, your shape, that's what determines your ministry. You know, some people say, I don't know what my ministry is. But if you look at those things, that's what we're going to be doing this week. You'll find out what your ministry is because God's given you certain abilities, certain experiences, certain gifts that he's not given anybody else. And you can use those in his service. That's what uh, determines your ministry. But... When we look at these things, it's actually our attitude that determines our maturity. A lot of people figure out their shape, but they don't get to the second part. It's about our attitude. You see, so many people, uh, they think the spiritual people in any church are those people, you know, that love to pray, that love to read the Bible, that love to spend time in worship. But actually, mature believers in Christ are those who have got to that level of service. When they come to church for not what they can get out of it, but what they can put into it. I've met so many people who've come to church, and it's like, you know, entertain me. Uh, you know, give me something uh, that, that, that I can learn. Teach me. Uh, do this for me. And it's like, you know, do you remember that first phrase in, in the book, The Purpose Driven Life? It's not about you. Uh, but the world that we live in, it's all about me. And we bring that with us into church, you know, choose the songs that I like, or sing the old hymns that I like. Uh, what are you going to do for my children? Uh, what are you going to do for me? How are, you going to, how are you going to develop me as a Christian? And it's all about me. This isn't maturity. This is immaturity. You know, kids, you know, that's what kids are like, isn't it? Feed me. Uh, entertain me. And uh, sometimes... Let's be honest, that's what we're like, isn't it? We're like little children that haven't grown up. And hey folks, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. That's another thing that mothers say, isn't it? Grow up. (laughs) Well, I'm saying it as well. Grow up. Let's grow up. Let's be mature by learning that Jesus gave us this example. And he didn't come and sit around and people waited on him. He served 
And he gave us this example of service. And the greatest thrill in your life that you'll ever experience is being used by God to serve others. So, number one. Serving like Jesus, it means being available. Serving like Jesus. If you want to serve like Jesus, then you have to be available. One day Jesus was walking down to go to Jericho and some blind men started yelling at him. And the Bible says this. Two blind men shouted, Lord have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. What do you want me to do for you? Now notice that word, Jesus stopped. Notice that word stopped. If you want to be used by God, if you want to serve God, you've got to be willing to be interrupted. A lot of Jesus' ministry and many of Jesus' miracles were interruptions. Jesus was going somewhere and doing something and somebody interrupted him. His first miracle, he was interrupted at a wedding. His second miracle, he was interrupted on the way to Galilee. It says Jesus stopped. You know, some people like to study, uh, follow the, the steps of Jesus. I think we should look at the stops of Jesus. The number of times Jesus stopped what he was doing to serve. Let's have a look at the stops in Jesus' life. He allowed himself to be interrupted. The Bible says this, it says, Never tell your neighbour to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. John Wesley had this motto that he used in his life. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. This is what greatness is. This is what it means to be shaped by God, to serve God. And we have to be available. There are hurting people around us. Hurting wounded people who cannot wait. We've got to help them now. Now what keeps us from being available? What is it that stops each one of us being used by God? Let me give you some common barriers. Uh, Number one, self-centeredness. The Bible says, uh, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget about yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Whenever you see a need right in front of you, guess what? God is presenting you with an opportunity to serve him. Whenever you see a need, whenever a need presents itself in front of you, you are being given an opportunity to serve God. Part of the problem is, a lot of us, we go around and it's like we've got this, uh, we've got this sign uh, written on us. Do not disturb. Ever seen that on somebody's door? Uh, you know, well, some of us have it on our hearts, you know. Do not disturb me. I'm a busy person. I'm an important person. One of the great mistakes people make about ministers, i.e. paid ministers in churches, is they think that that's, that's their sign. I'm so busy. Uh, let me tell you, you know, my office door is always, I'm going to say it's open, but it's shut at the moment. But uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, you know, and very often people come in sort of tentatively. Uh, you know, or, or am I interrupting you? And, yes, you're interrupting me, but that's fine. That's what I'm here for, to be interrupted. Because that's what Jesus did. He was interrupted as he went around. And he allowed uh, lowly people, uh, people that didn't have any status in the world, to interrupt him. And he was happy to serve him. He didn't have a sign saying, 
do not disturb. Um, and many of us are busy, uh, busy people. And we miss opportunities to serve other people. So let's make sure that when a situation presents itself, we grasp it and we use that opportunity to serve. Second barrier that sometimes uh, is stops is this perfection. It's this idea um, that you've got to be absolutely perfect before you can do any sort of ministry. It says this in Ecclesiastes, if you wait for a perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Real servants, Christ-like servants, do the best they can with what they have for Jesus today. They don't wait till tomorrow. They don't wait till they've got everything sorted out. And one of the things that we have to learn at LUM is we have to be able to practice a thing called the good enough principle. The good enough principle. It doesn't have to be perfect for God to bless it. You know, there's always people in churches, and uh, I'm sure there's people in this church, because in every church I've been in, there's people that love to point out the mistakes. You know, they come with a, a delighted look on the face because they found a mistake and you've done something wrong. Well, hallelujah, we've got it wrong. Uh, but God can still use it. You know, we don't have to be perfect. And some people think, you know, well, when I've sorted all these things out and when I've, when I've sorted these problems out and uh, when I've done this and done that and done all that I want to do, then I'll serve you. We don't have to wait. God can use you. He can use your faults. He can use your failures. He can use you exactly as you are and he wants you to be used. Number three, another barrier is materialism. Uh, sometimes we're so busy chasing after the good things in life that we don't notice the people that we can serve. It says this in, uh, in Luke 16, no servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice it doesn't say you shouldn't serve God and money. It says you cannot you know, if your goal in life is to get rich, um, then you cannot serve God. Because you'll be so busy uh, chasing after all the things that this world has to offer, that you won't have any time to serve God. You cannot. It's not, you should not, it's you cannot. So serving means being available. It means recognising the opportunity. And let me be honest with you, the opportunities come at the most inconvenient times. They come when you're tired, when you don't feel like serving. Very often when you're in a rush and, you, and you, you've got somewhere to get or you've got something to do or you've got a deadline to meet, that's very often when the opportunities for service arrive and that's why we miss them. And so we've always got to be open and available to God. And God will use you. If you make yourself available, believe me, God will use you. So serving like Jesus means being available. <clears throat> Serving like Jesus also means being grateful. To serve like Jesus, we have to do it out of a grateful heart. You know, so many people, they do serve Jesus and they work hard in the church. Uh, but they do it because uh, they feel they have to. Or they feel they ought to. Or they think, well, if I don't do it, nobody else will do it. This isn't the best way to serve. It isn't the best way to serve. Uh, Jesus served from a grateful heart. You know when his friend Lazarus had died and he went there and some people thought that it was a funeral but Jesus had a different idea in his mind and he went to do ministry to raise Lazarus from the dead. And uh, this is what Jesus prayed. But he prayed it out loud so that other people could hear. He said, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. 
I want them to know that I'm grateful that you heard me. Jesus had this attitude of gratefulness. He served out of a grateful heart. His attitude in ministry was that he was grateful to God for giving him the opportunity to serve. In Psalm 100 it says, serve the Lord with gladness. So many people serve the Lord well, but miserably and uh, glumly. And, uh, and we've met them, you know. Uh, yes, I'm moving the chairs. And uh, I want you to know that I don't want to move these chairs. Yes, I'm cleaning the church. Uh, but I'm only doing it because nobody else has turned up and I feel that I've got to do it. And, uh, you know, this isn't serving the Lord out of a grateful heart. And we serve the Lord out of a grateful heart because of what he's done for us. If God never did anything else for us, the fact that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us on a cross, so that we could enter into a relationship with God, we should be eternally grateful for that and serve him for the rest of our days. So we serve him gratefully. It is he who saved us and chose us from his, for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan. He saved us for service, to serve him. Now as human beings we tend to trip over ourselves on the way to serving God, on the way to this attitude of gratefulness. And there are some things that get in the way. One of the barriers is this, it's comparing and criticising. It's what the world is forever doing, comparing, you know, uh, we've got a, a bigger and better this, whatever it is. And it comes into the church, doesn't it? And we start comparing, uh, you know, churches and ministers and, and the works and different things that are going on in the church. And, you know, whenever we start comparing ourselves, one of two things will happen. We'll either become terribly proud... Because we'll think in some way that we're better than another church or better than somebody else in the church. Or become greatly discouraged because we'll look at some other church or some other person and we'll think, well, we'll never be as good as them. So it's never a good thing to compare yourself with another person in a church because God has made you uniquely. He hasn't made you like the person next to next to you. So you're not going to be like the person next to you. And you shouldn't want to be like the person next to you. They, if they've got some wonderful gift, then celebrate it and rejoice. But God has given you a gift. So don't compare and don't criticise. You know, there's so much criticism that goes on and so many people, I talk to so many people who are deflated because somebody has said something that's criticised them. They might have heard ten positive comments, uh, but we hang on to that one critical phrase. And we carry it around with us the rest of the week. And it destroys us, it eats at us. And so think before you open your mouth. Uh, if somebody's serving God, encourage them. Don't criticise them. If something needs pointing it out, do it in a nice way. Do it in a positive way. Give them about 20 compliments or offer to help them. You know, uh, I used to put the words in at my last church in the screen. On, on the, and you'd be thankful I don't because I'm a terrible speller. But... Loads of people used to come out and tell me about the spelling mistakes on the screen in the hymns and they used to get really cross. But nobody ever said, shall I do it for you? You're obviously a useless speller. You obviously didn't pay attention at school. Shall I do it for you? They were quite happy to criticise me, but they weren't willing to do a job that I obviously couldn't do. And that's another thing that happens in church. We've got loads of people doing jobs that they're not fitted for or shaped for and they're doing it because the job needs doing. And sometimes that's the reality. A job needs doing. And somebody's got to do it. But so often it's the wrong person who's not shaped and not equipped. And, uh, and that's why they're doing it grumpily, because they don't enjoy it. 
And uh, we can release people by, uh, by offering ourselves for service. So don't criticise and compare yourself with other people. It's, it's a barrier uh, to serving God out of a grateful heart. Who are you to criticise someone else's servant? The Lord will determine whether his servant has been successful. The Lord will determine. We're all servants. And it's not a competition. You know, there's not a league table. Who's been the best servant this week? We're not into league tables in the church. We're just here to humbly serve one another from our own abilities and the shape that God has made us. The second thing that can get in ways is wrong motives. You know, uh, sometimes, you know, people want to be noticed, don't they? Some people, you know, uh, did you know I, I, I had to set all the chairs this morning before church? Uh, you know, and we want people to notice the fact that, I didn't really, by the way, in case you're worried. <laughs> um, you know, because we've got wonderful people to do that for us. It's brilliant. Uh, just out of a servant heart. But some people want to be noticed and they can't help telling you uh, what they've had to do that week. And of course it's a wrong motivation. Jesus says, when you do a good deed, don't try and show off. If you do, you won't get the reward from your Father in heaven. You know, some people want to be rewarded in this life. <clears throat> and we can't wait to tell people how hard we've worked and what we've done. And uh, we're looking for that recognition. But if you want to learn to serve like Jesus, you serve from a grateful heart, a generous heart. And then, serving like Jesus means being faithful. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means you don't give up. You don't quit. You carry on the work, the service, the job, until you have finished. Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Completing the work that you gave me to do. Lots of people, uh, you know, start with all sorts of enthusiasm. Oh yeah, I'll do that, I'll do this job and I'll do that. Uh, and then they lose heart halfway through and they give up. And there's so many, you know, jobs around the church and things around the church that end up being half done because people haven't been faithful and seeing the job through to the end. You know, you might retire from your work and your job, but you never ever retire from ministry. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, I will never stop being a minister. I might live to be, you know, 80 or whatever, but I will never stop to be a minister. You might not pay me till I'm 80, although the way the pension thing's working out at the moment, I might have to work till I'm 80, but that's a, another thing. So, um, how do you be faithful? How do you be faithful? What motivates us to, uh, to keep uh, going on? He says, the one thing required of servants is that they be faithful, that they see the job through. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Nothing that you do. You know, there's things that we do in life that are, that are a waste of time. There's all sorts of things that we do that won't last. But you know, whenever we serve somebody in Jesus' name, whenever we, we reach out and minister to people, that has an eternal quality to it. It has an eternal quality. Because, you know, God recognises it. And the Bible says that God rewards it. And we don't really know what that means. We don't know what that means. But it says, it talks about the fact that God rewards faithful servants. And in God's eyes, there's no little service. There's no job that's too small that God doesn't recognise. And it doesn't matter that nobody else notices or nobody else recognises it. Because God sees you. And he sees you helping that person, ministering to that person. 
And it's great, isn't it? Because, you know, we shouldn't mistake anonymous with insignificance. And, you know, there's so many people. Let me give you a little quiz. Do you know the name of the person that set the chairs? For the service today, do you know the name of the person? Do you know the name of the person that, that serves the coffee? Do you know the person that, uh, that cleans the church? Do you know the name of the person that's teaching you know, your kids in Sunday school at this moment in time? All these things that people do just quietly, they just get on with it. And these are not insignificant. Uh, these are very significant. Real servants do every task as if it really matters. And that's why we can serve God out of a grateful heart, because it really matters, and it has that eternal perspective. So, this is what Paul says, he says, He will not forget how hard you have worked for him, and how you've shown your love to him, by caring for other Christians. By caring for other Christians. There's always more needs to be met than there are people willing to serve. And, uh, you know, if you've ever wondered why you're here at Long Baptist Church, well, let me tell you, you're not just here to sit, to sit and to, to soak in the, the, the wonderful worship and, uh, and the teaching and all the other things. You're actually here because God wants to use you. He wants you to serve. And after the church, we've got this, we've got this ministry fair. And you can see a couple of uh, stands here. There's the awesome and there's, there's the youth work. And what we want you to do is just, just wander around and, and look at the different ministries that the church is involved in. And speak to the people. And see if there's some way in which you can serve. So, for example, you know, you go to the awesome stand. And you can look at the, the crafts and the different things they can do. You can look at the, the pictures of what they do. Um, but as a sheep, get in the game. If you think this is one way in which you can serve God by just offering to help once a month, uh, every couple of weeks, then speak to the people on the stand and look at the other stands and see what's happening in the life of the church. You might not know all the different ministries uh, that the church is involved in, but each ministry uh, has one thing in common. They're all looking for more people who are willing to gladly use their gifts and ability to serve God. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. This is what uh, Jesus says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. This is in the, the sheep and the goats where people were saying, you know, you know, how did we, when did we serve you, God? When did we serve you? Uh, because they hadn't realised they were serving God when they were visiting people in prison, when they were offering a cup of water, when they were doing these things. And you know, one day, all of us will stand in front of God. And uh, what we want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servants and so it's a servant heart that God is after and uh, you know each one of us is called to serve to come and share in the master's happiness and there is something about serving God that brings joy that brings delight there's something about being used by God that does make us feel good about ourselves because we recognise that God has a purpose for us and that's why we're doing this, because God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Let's just bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, I realise that 
Each one of us was shaped to serve you by serving others. Forgive us for the times when we've put that sign on our hearts, do not disturb. When we've missed opportunities to serve in your name. Help us to see that the interruptions in life that can be annoying and frustrating are actually opportunities for us to serve one another. Help us to make time for the things that really matter. Things that will count in eternity. We know that you've been so good to us and we want to give something back. We want to serve you freely, gratefully and faithfully. And we want to put it into practice so that one day when we stand in heaven we might hear you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and join me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.